glued to the coverage. And if you've so it is uh, April twentieth. Yes, the twentieth. April twentieth, twenty twenty one. It was May twenty fifth, twenty twenty that uh, George Floyd died, was killed by an officer at the time, Derek Chauvin. And uh, we are live here for us um, as we have just heard that the verdict has come in and will be announced within the next uh, short period of time. 20 minutes, 45 minutes. It it feels a bit like historic to me. We've got CNN on here in the background. It feels a bit historic to me like Times have changed and are changing. We hope we're coming out of this pandemic. Yeah. But something uh, something feels even more consequential about this. Well, I mean, I I remember when when news first broke about um, George Floyd's death, and it, it certainly seemed. It certainly seemed. I don't know. Like it's hard because I I don't want to say different in any way because it. it, Frankly, the way that he was treated wasn't different than a lot of a lot of Black Americans and and a lot since. I've watched the trial fairly closely, and um, you and I have talked about this and and with others as well. That we're coming from a standpoint here where we can't. We can't really wrap our minds around how it would be anything other than guilty. Um, I no. suppose oh. I suppose there might be people who say, rightfully say, at least that police have a very difficult job and these kinds of things. Um, uh, but the the prosecution in this case went to great lengths to say police are not on trial here. This is actually no, not it's about an the individual. police. Um, this is about uh, one officer. Um, and so now what we're hearing the media do as we kind of flip around the channels is. Uh, uh, everybody's just kind of trying to say, you know, given how many hours it's been, what's more likely? I just heard somebody on CNR, MSNBC say, uh, I'd be more worried if I was the defense, given the amount of time and the fact that no questions were apparently sent to the judge for clarification or anything. Well, I mean, what what they were saying right before we started was that um, O.J. Simpson was acquitted in four hours. George Zimmerman, I believe, was 11. So, it, it, like, you go... It's one of those things where where I can't comprehend a verdict as anything other than guilty, but it is certainly not unprecedented, and and I believe that there would be at least right now a level of trepidation, trepidation, um, thinking it's gonna go not guilty. Like there, this will be another case where it feels like there's no accountability. It's like images stay with you, um, in this year which we've lived. There'll be so many things, right? Whether it's, you know, pandemic images of whatever municipality is using around here. There's like big, you know, billboards of cougars and stuff saying stay six feet apart and whatever else. And But the indelible images, even for us in Canada, of the marches and protests yeah. after George Floyd's death. At the time and even now for us, it would be inconceivable that, that this ex-officer would would not be found guilty and be held liable for this. The indelible, uh, indelible images for those who watched the trial were the ones of George Floyd um, complying over and over and over yeah. and over again. The prosecution said he there was never a point at which he didn't comply. There was a point that they were trying to get him in the back of the car that he couldn't get in the back of the car, like in terms well, it of like his claustrophobia. Yeah, reaction. And, and so they pulled him out of the car 
and he said thank you thank you to the officers and then that's when they threw him to the ground and and then the nine minutes and 29 seconds um commenced and those images of this uh, big strong person feeling utterly helpless um that it's it, you know and for us as white people in canada it's something to seek to to see and hear um feeling utterly helpless with whatever power that he yeah. is facing, right? And already sensing that this could end with his death. He said when they were trying to push him in the car, he said, I'll die. Yeah. And it's just, there's so much here. And now you have a nation, uh, the United States, that is just on edge yeah, and, and wondering and what's going to happen. And I think that there's, there's so much that that I wish to to sympathize and, and knowing that, that I can't. Like, it is right. literally impossible. Like it, it is not something that I will ever experience. Um, and so I can only... I can only imagine, like the the level of kind of intensity and and stuff that that I'm feeling, hoping that that this is something where it's there's accountability. And I can only imagine how much more amplified that must feel. Like the stakes, the stakes are are real in a sense that they are not. It's it's an interesting thing to cheer for, right? I know that's that's a cold uh, no, word, I, I, but yeah. no, but to hope for. It's an interesting thing to hope for that somebody would be found guilty. And what I mean by that is they're hoping for some sense of justice, but of course George Floyd is dead. And nothing's going to change that. And so, you know, true justice still is, is, not, is not present, even if there is a guilty verdict, right? No. It just, what that means is they're declaring that, yes, this terrible wrong has been done. Well, and, and I think another thing is also saying that that there are consequences and repercussions for this type of behavior that generally I I would think most people, particularly within the black community and other marginalized communities, don't feel exists. Right. The hope is actually about the future, that if if there can be a guilty verdict here, then maybe this has some positive... And that maybe there will be... There will be officers who think I cannot behave right. this way. Right. I think I think that's the hope for for justice because, yeah, there there certainly is a sense that nothing that happens today will will change the outcome for George Floyd. But hopefully, there there may be something because there's almost sense when you watch when you watch the videos and, and the actions of of the officer who uh, he he seems so confident in what he's doing yeah. like, like he doesn't look like he knows he's being filmed by potentially yeah. dozens of people and yeah no it's so and it, it the video is so troubling on so many levels heartbreaking uh, we just this morning were listening to an audiobook uh, by Howard Thurman written in the 1940s um, called Jesus and the Dis- and the Disinherited and it's about basically it's saying how could Christianity have anything to say to the African American experience and he's writing in the 40s well and he's saying it has everything because Jesus was himself yeah, he says Jesus was disinherited and Jesus had his back against the so wall. That's the imagery he uses. The, the problem is more the the adaptation that then has happened and the alignment with 
wealth and power and no that the, 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 the church has has very happily uh, assumed. Yeah, Thurman says, and again, this is in the 40s, the gospel is best heard from the place of you're back against the wall. It's for Jesus was that. He was a person who had no proper citizenship well, rights and, and all those kinds of things. And trying to cast him as anything else is, is historically untrue, right. frankly. But what's interesting to me is that Thurman's book became uh, a large piece of the inspiration for people like Martin Luther King and others in the civil rights movement because Thurman says that um, no matter how hated you are, you can't, you can't hate in return. And uh, as I heard that this morning, we listened to the audiobook. Um, I thought of the the thread that runs from, you know, the time of slavery, uh, right through to, through the time of of Thurman and Martin Luther King, and then to today. This is historic. Today, we don't yet know what will happen, and we'll kind of stop our recording here for until we get closer to the time that the uh, that the verdict is delivered. This will tell us if America's eyes are open mm. and if they actually do believe what happened to that mother's child. The defense in their closing responded essentially with don't be misled by freeze frame stills on on video. Let's talk about the actual charges that the jury had to decide on second degree unintentional murder, third degree murder, second degree manslaughter. Can you explain? You know, this is a, the three different charges for many people look at this, and I know, Ellie, you have, you have a lot of comments on this as well. The hardest part to reconcile in Minnesota law is that these are unintentional acts, not intent to kill, but you still have to intend to perform the act that caused the death. So this is essentially the third degree murder is you intended to commit the underlying felony, that being the knee to the neck. That's the felony assault. Then you go down to the idea of second-degree murder. That's the one talking about that you acted with a depraved heart in total disregard for the sanctity of human life by an action that you intended to commit, even if not intending to kill him. Then you have the idea of manslaughter, culpable negligence, meaning more than just ordinary negligence, that you had a slip of mind. No, it's that you intended the behavior and you were reckless, essentially, in your behavior, and it was grossly negligent. But the intent component is difficult to reconcile for a lot of people. So, Ellie, I mean... Jurors have had to decide essentially a number of things, but what was in their closing arguments? This is one of the newspapers here, the newspaper here, and you can see. So we've see that the judge is um, come back into the courtroom. So we expect the verdict to be read any minute. Um, Allison, you have uh, some words and prayers that you have found that have been a help to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you read them before we? Uh, so this is from from uh, an account called Black Liturgies, um, and it's it's a young um, black woman writing, and uh, this is what she's prepared for the trial. She says, "Inhale, God, let it be justice. Exhale, but prepare me for its absence. May the God of justice deliver it to us now." May God prepare us for how our grief may be roused in the event of any verdict. May God grant us the emotional energy to consider how we will care for our own souls and others, that we might begin attuning ourselves even now to the sound of our inner lives. May God be with us in our waiting. God of justice, deliver it to us now. standing in the court judge is about to speak 
right, please be seated. Members of the jury, I understand you have a verdict. Members of the jury, I will now read the verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, Defendant. Verdict, Count 1, Court File Number 27, CR 20-12646. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to Count 1, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.44 p.m. Signed juror four person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. We the jury in the above entitled matter as to count two, third degree murder perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.45 p.m. Signed by jury four person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count three. We the jury in the above entitled matter as to count three, second degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.45 p.m. Jury four person 019. Members of the jury, I'm now going to ask you individually if these are your true and correct verdicts. Please respond yes or no. Juror number two, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Uh, we've heard the verdict. Uh, Allison, you have something else from the same account? Uh, yeah, a quote from Cornell West. Empathy is not simply a matter of trying to imagine what others are going through, but having the will to muster enough courage to do something about it. In a way, empathy is predicated upon hope. She has a prayer to go along with that, saying, God with us, we thank you for being a God of true empathy, leaving status and security to come near to those who you love, a nearness marked by healing, solidarity, and sacrifice. We have traded the fierceness of your empathy for sentimental whims of sadness. Grant us an empathy that might begin with tears, but also enmeshed with proximity to the hurting and the resolute doing of justice and mercy, even if that justice means loss of comfort and status for us. But keep us from being swallowed by the pain of those we love, that we would learn a compassion that has boundaries and nearness that is not bondage. Let empathy lay her head down each night on hope's hope itself, rising with the deep knowledge that restoration is coming. We are the hands and feet of a promise. So blessings to all listening, and may we move more and more towards recognizing the humanity of all.